So I brought some friends along with me again. You guys remember Noah and Rachel. They were here with me the last time that I was here. And a new friend, uh, Michael, he's not a new friend to me. He's an old friend. But again, these guys are interning with my ministry. I have five uh, teenagers total. And as often as they can, they travel along with me. And they've been having the time of their life. And so they're excited to be here again to minister to you guys. The last time Noah and Rachel were here, I don't know if you guys know this or not. It was the uh, All Things Prophetic Marathon. It was the mother of prophetic marathons. Do you guys remember this? And we were in the room. And, and I think we went for roughly six hours, maybe more. I think we were in the, uh, the building for a total of almost 10 hours that day because then we had a service that evening. And I was telling them on the way down, I said, you know what I was the most thankful for during that time? When Subway was in the middle of that day. And I said, we got this break. I'm like, oh, thank you for Subway. And no sooner were we sitting there and eating it, somebody else's time came up and we had to rush back in here. But they, you guys learned a whole lot, didn't you, during that time? Your confidence grew and everything else. Um, so it's awesome to be back down here. I'm going to tell you right off the bat that I have no idea how tonight is going to go. Uh, I'm hey, Aaron. Hey, Angie. Um, I'm trying to stay as, as open as I can to what it is that the Lord wants to do. I will tell you this, that Tim called me probably a couple weeks ago, and it was funny. Not that he was in a panic. He's like, oh, we got you coming down in a couple weeks. You might want to figure this out. And I said, yeah. I said, it's probably a good idea. He's like, what about, what about we do you know, Saturday evening? I'm fine with that. Sunday morning? Yep, that's fine. And, uh, and I, to be honest with you, I didn't even know if this weekend was going to happen with everything that's going on. Um, so I'm actually, I'm actually glad that we're not responding in the way that the world is, is responding. Of course, we're using wisdom, and of course, we're, we're wanting to be sensitive, like Tim said, and meet people where they are. But the one thing that Tim said to me was, I'll be honest with you, Tim doesn't even know this. If Tim calls, I won't answer the phone unless I have an hour to talk to him. <laughs> I won't. I'll look at him and be like, not now, it's not a good time. And I'll just, I'll just either send him the voicemail or I'll just ignore his call. Because Tim won't talk to you for five minutes. So every time I'm like, I got to make sure, and even when I call him back, I make sure I'm walled off somewhere. I'm not exaggerating. So I can listen to everything that he's saying because I value our friendship. And sometimes when we haven't talked in a while, um, I just want to make sure that I give him my time. But one of the things that he said was, would you mind praying and asking God what he's doing right now at Gateway? So that's what I did. So I'm going to share those prophetic insights with you. And I really believe, guys, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to blow smoke and I don't want to exaggerate. Like, I, I think sometimes we have a tendency to do that with the prophetic. I have no interest in doing that. I will tell you this, like, and Tim said, so we probably look different every time we come down here. And that's not just true in the sense that Tim has more gray in his beard. But I will t and I do too. I mean, my, my, my children are always commenting on how gray my beard is getting. And I think one of them said it's because you're stressed out all the time. Like, I'm not stressed out all the time. And, um. But I will, I will tell you this, some, was that you? I thought one of the, one of the uh, interns was making a noise over there. But I will tell you this, that there's more than one way to perceive what it is that's going on with a group of people. It's not just with your two eyes. You can discern things by the Spirit. And uh, so I want to use my spiritual senses tonight with you to discern what I believe God's doing in your midst. And I believe it was already reflected and made plainly apparent when I was sitting there and listening to the worship in the room. In fact, I even noticed, see, I pick up on this stuff, that there's even a strategy, maybe strategy's the wrong word, but there's an intentionality even behind the songs that were sung here tonight. 
And there's, there's something significant that God's doing right now on the earth with his church, with those that have ears to hear and those that can actually pick up on it, is that there is a return. And I talked a little bit about this the last time I was here. God gives me the privilege of just remembering some of the tidbits and stuff that I drop where I go different places. Because a lot of times my assignment is to revisit time and time again the places I've been. So all I'm going to do tonight, honestly, is reaffirm what you already know, which is ultimately, in my opinion, one of the greatest functions of the prophetic. This is already a prophetic church. You guys are already operating in the things of the Spirit. You're catching the wind. You're catching the direction, the way that God's leading. And the way that God is leading, and I'll say it like this, is the greatest thing, in my opinion, that the Holy Spirit is doing right now with the church is he is reintroducing the church to Jesus all again, all over again. And the reason why that's significant is because there's something that God is doing right now in this hour with faith. And he's wanting us to also know that our personal faith is very, in fact, it's the only thing biblically that pleases him. Did you know that? Hebrews 11, verse 6, that anyone that comes to him must believe that he is, he's the rewarder of, seek, that he's the rewarder of those that seek him, and it's impossible to please him without faith. And faith only comes from one place. Faith comes by Hearing, Romans 10, 17, hearing by the word of Christ. So I want to tell you tonight that what you hear about Jesus matters. What you've heard about him counts. And I can't anymore. Like one of the things that God is having me do is he's having me reread the gospels again. And it's almost like I'm seeing Jesus with new eyes again. Like the other day I was reading, and I'm camping in Mark's gospel. I can't get out of like the first few chapters. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you really came. Because if you're not careful, even the name of Jesus can become like wallpaper. If, if you're not careful, guys, we can gather. Now listen to me. You can gather, you can sing, you can pray, not have faith behind any of that, and none of that impresses him. You can actually be, that's all right, Pete, don't worry about it, buddy. I, it's all the traveling you've been doing lately. You know, it's all the, everybody's got your phone number. One of the things that God showed me, and I'll drop this and then I'll detour, but what you hear about him shapes the way that you see him. Would you agree with that? The way that you see him is going to determine how you're going to relate to him. That's why, that's why the greatest question that Jesus ever asked the disciples is, who do you say that I am? Because the answer to that question is going to determine the relationship that you have with him. And I've been going back and reading in the Gospels again, seeing all these wonderful places, guys, where these people heard something and they responded to it. And I'm learning more and more, I'll probably talk more about this tomorrow, how responsive and how action-oriented faith really is. Faith isn't just something we declare with our mouth. It's, there's evidence that's driven. There's a faith with tied to works. And it's not that which saves us. It's just if you have faith, it's going to look like something. You're going to put motion behind it. And I even believe for a lot of us, there's, there's some of us that may have been sitting idly. Like some of you have actually believed. Some of you have callings in the room and you're waiting for God to do something. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that God's waiting on you to do something. At some point in time, you've got to plant the seed of what's been promised to you in the ground. Like at some point in time, you've got 
to step out because that'd be strange if I had a handful of like seeds and never did anything with them and said, yep, a harvest is on the way. No, at some point in time, you got to put that in the ground and trust him with the result of what you did. Does that make sense to you guys? Like, and some of it, guys, isn't even just about your calling. Like, Some of it is the simplicity of some of you have known what you should be doing, the right things to do, and you're not doing it. And God is saying, it's time. It's time to go reconcile with that person. Like, it's, it's time to be involved more with your kids. Like, it's time to do specific things that God has been asking you to do that he's wanting you now to unite with faith. And I, I, just, I just believe, guys, like, there's even going to be a return. And, and I'm, I, I don't know what Tim's been preaching on. I don't go on the website. Like, I, I don't know. But I do believe that there's going to be a return to what I call apostolic preaching. And what I mean by that is when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and you read how when Paul was among the Corinthians, and he says, I, and I love this, the wording is very interesting. It says, I determined, meaning that I think there's a temptation sometimes in the church to preach something other than Christ. The whole thing is in him. All the scriptures, like Tim was saying, they all point to him. They all testify about him. If we're preaching, in some, if we're preaching something else, our faith is resting in something else. But if you preach Christ, you might say, well, how do you do that? You preach him from the word, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit divinely reveals to you. Like you want it to be a a rhema kind of thing. Like you want it to be revelation that's birth. Like that's like when I was listening to Tim's song, do you know why it carried so much weight for me? Is because I know that that was probably born out of a sensitive time in his life. Is that true? And you can tell when something's birthed by the Lord, there's so much weight behind it. Like you want, this is the only book, ladies and gentlemen, that requires the author to be present for you to understand it. If you are reading it any other way, if you're not inviting the Holy Spirit to illumine to you what he breathed on, then you're sitting there, the best it can be is maybe a history book at best. And you might accumulate knowledge and facts and you might be able to talk a good game and quote verses. Again, you can do all that, not have faith, and not even have love, and it's not going to profit you anything. So you can preach Christ from whatever it is. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit's job, guys, is to reveal Jesus to us. That's the whole point of why he's here, to reveal Christ in you and through you. Everything that Jesus did, the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants the world to see Christ through you and I. So we preach Jesus from the written word through whatever is uh, just, just revealed to us, inspired, whatever is the Holy Spirit shows us. But we also, reveal, we also preach him through the sharing of testimony. Like that's exceedingly important, guys. Like it's the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We know that, Revelation 19.10. If anybody's a prophetic person, they know that. So that just means every time you tell your story, you're actually prophesying. Like that's... The easiest way to get into the prophetic. Do you know your story? Do you have one? Do you have a moment in time where Jesus kept a promise or Jesus showed up or Jesus did something? Jesus came into your prayer closet or Jesus moved in a certain way. That is prophecy that needs to be declared. And I'm sitting here and I'm reading these stories again, guys. I know some of this is sensitive, but like I'm reading some of the stories again around healing and my spirit is just leaping, man. And I said to the Lord the other day, forgive me, like tears in my eyes, forgive me, man, for backing off. 
Because like, it's possible, guys. And like, sometimes we just get comfortable. We just settle in. And I'm like, my gosh. And I would never have told you I'm the kind of guy that would ever do anything like that. And I'm sitting here reading these stories. And I'm reading stories like the woman with the issue of blood. And I just, I keep preaching on this, man. But it says that when she heard about Jesus. Guys, like how many times do we need to hear about him? How many stories, like how many, like that woman at the well, she had one conversation with him. And I'm I'm, I'm just becoming more and more aware of like how easy things are that that, that wanna creep in to distract you and just make things matter more that don't matter most and take you way off course. And I'm watching and I'm reading this story about this woman and she, guys, she's been in this condition for 12 years. That's a really long time. And I'm not being insensitive to people's conditions. And listen, guys, like I know that some of this stuff is touchy because we've all been touched by it. We've all been touched by people's conditions. Like I think what I want to maybe do tomorrow is just, you know, the world right now is giving you one report, but Jesus has a different one. And I feel like we're constantly vacillating between these two realities. The world is screaming loud right now. But at the same time, I'm learning the importance that I have to shut that stuff off, man. The best use of my time is surrendering to my alone time with him, inviting the Holy Spirit, saying, please show me Jesus again. Show me who he is again. Show me. Carl and I were talking earlier. Carl's like, man, I keep hearing about humility. That's the greatest thing Jesus ever taught. We never talk about it anymore in the church. The greatest thing Jesus modeled was a life laid down in full obedience. He said, my will's not my own. Do you know what it means to actually surrender your will? That is the ultimate self-denial. What, you, what you're saying is like, I'm not, I don't make a single decision without checking with him first. All of my paths are straight because I constantly acknowledge him. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Learn from me. Learn what it means. What did Jesus model? Complete dependence on his father. I didn't come on my own initiative. The words I speak, they're not mine. I don't do anything unless I see the father do it. My teaching's not my own. Everything he described, from the point of his birth to the point of his life on earth and to the point that he left, everything he did was in total humility. And I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting us to see Jesus again with new eyes. And it's going to ignite a faith in us, guys. Again, like you, that woman with the issue of blood, guys, like she's, she hurt. She's 12 years in this condition. It said she blew all of her money on physicians and she was worse. Now, I'm not sitting here saying we shouldn't go to medical professionals, so please don't hear me say that. You can spend your money on anything thinking it's the answer to your problem and it's never going to be. You can, the world is going to tell you this is where it's at. And I'm telling you, God has wired it in such a way that you'll never be satisfied unless your life is completely and totally found and surrendered to the Lord. You will never have peace, joy, satisfaction, significance, all that stuff that people are looking for. You'll never find an answer to your problem. And the Lord said to me one day, if you get anything out of this, get this, guys. There is nothing you're going to go through in this life where Christ isn't your answer. And I'm sorry if you're hearing everybody else tell you something else, they're wrong. 
Your faith is in him, but it's not in him unless the Holy Spirit's telling you about him. Do you see what I'm saying? So we need to become people of this word again. Not just people who listen to YouTube services and, can, and consult all these different books. I write books. I'm in the middle of writing one right now. I'm writing a little pamphlet on the baptism in the spirit. Like I just feel led by the Lord to write these different revelations that I've been shared so when I go, I can give them out. But there comes a point in time, guys. I said this one of the first times I was down here. I'm the byproduct of my alone time with him. Like I share what I share because I went and I heard. So I'm not greater than you. It's just a matter of do you take the time? Do you see it as valuable? And I think, guys, for a lot of us, we've lost the seed that originally caused us to believe at one time. And we've become mausoleums of what we said we believe. And you know you believe it because you keep going after it. And if you stopped, then it could be, guys, that persecution came or fear arose or whatever. But that parable of the sower is the most significant parable right now in this hour. Whew. I'm running out of breath. Jesus says after that parable, he says, no one lights a lamp and puts it underneath a basket. It's still the same parable. Because what God speaks to you illuminates something inside of you. When it's birthed in you, when you're good soil, and, and you hear the word and the sower's sowing seed, and all of a sudden, the eyes of your heart, Ephesians 1, see something that you couldn't see before, that's a light that comes on on the inside. The worst thing you could do is not do something with what's been revealed to you because when you don't steward it well, you're going to lose it. To whom much is given, much is required. And if you're not careful, you can bury it into the ground thinking and you'll wind up losing it. But this is what it says. You don't put a basket over top of it. And then Jesus goes on to say, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And to whom who has, more will be given. And even what he thinks he has, those who don't, and here's what he's saying, so track with me. When you measure what God is saying as valuable, you'll receive more. If you don't see what God is saying as valuable, even what you think you have is gonna be taken from you. So I think, if we're honest, Let's go back to 2012 for a second, for those of us that were here. Who in the room can say they're just as hungry now as they were then? Amen, Dennis. But you know how I know that that honestly isn't, isn't like, because I'm confronted with that. We're going to sing songs like, hungry, uh, I wish Tim would sing it. Come to you, for I know that you say, listen, guys, like, there's a place where we get honest with ourselves. Can I, can I tell you the truth? It wouldn't have mattered if I came here in 2012 or was some guy off the street. Anybody that day could have said, Holy Spirit, come. That had more to do with you than it did with me that day. I may have been the vessel God used, the instrument God used. I may have had faith for it to happen. But I am telling you, I am telling you the TNT was laid in here a lot longer before than when I got here. And I believe it's because of this. You guys caught wind that Jesus is still doing today what he did then. And it did something in you. And it caused a hunger to stir in you. And I believe God's wanting to take us back to that place. Is that fair to say? I believe, if we're honest, we lost it. 
I, I believe that if we're not careful, even what we got awakened to, if we're not careful, that seed, if it's still not yielding the crop it wants yield, maybe that seed's not there anymore. Maybe the Holy Spirit is wanting to, through the word of God, through relationship with him, through alone time with him, re-sow seeds that are going to cause our faith to be awakened and ignited again that erupt in that hunger all over again. Because it's normal, guys. The normal Christian life, if I can be honest with you, is passion. It is affection because in him is life. And life is passion. We should be excited about the Lord. We should be zealous for the Lord. We should be zealous for good deeds, it says in Titus 3. Like just knowing that we're saved by grace should cause us to go bananas on the outside. It's, it's not enough that we just, we just gather and we're okay with our gathering when there, there's so much more to where the gathering is supposed to be us encouraging one another and spurring one another on. But it's because we're gathering around him. It's because we're in the pulpit preaching Jesus. Letting it, and I, guys, I can't, re, and I know it's not about numbers, but, but at the same time it is. Like, I, like I, whenever Jesus was doing something, like when I'm reading the Gospels again, people, he had to go to the outskirts of cities. Why? Because the sick are being healed, the demons are coming out with the word, lepers are getting cleansed, the dead are being raised. Jesus is moving and it's pandemonium. And you know why? Because the report is spreading. And when the report spreads, faith comes. So if you've got a group of people that are a Jesus people and they're preaching Christ and Christ is in their midst and Jesus is moving and it's not about playing the game, it's just about him. I believe 100%. Come on, Tim was, Tim was in the in the, uh, the hall there saying, hey, Acts 2.42, God was adding to their number daily. Those getting saved. Why? Because Jesus was honored, worshiped, and demonstrated. And I believe that when, 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 when we as a church, capital C, not just Gateway Fellowship, across the board, get a hold of, guys, I am not interested in putting Jesus, I'm not interested in incorporating Christ into my life. He's not an accessory on my keychain. It's not Jesus incorporated. It's Jesus, like, I surrender everything to you. You're, you're Lord of my life. See, like, I heard Andy Bird say, and I thought this was so good, we're so comfortable with talking about the love of God. Everybody loves the love of God. Everybody loves that Jesus has forgiven them at their worst, but not everybody is cool, is cool with the lordship of Jesus. In case we forget, like he pointed out, and I loved it, when you look at the Apostle Paul, Paul got knocked off his donkey, man. That was his introduction into the faith. And Jesus is basically saying, I'm in charge now. I will show you how much you're going to suffer for my namesake. Did he say that to him? And I think there's a place, guys, where, yes, the love of God, but also he's Lord, too, at the same time. But I'm sitting here, I'm rereading these stories again, guys, with almost like as if I've never read them before. That's what God's wanting to do right now. He's wanting us to see these stories with brand new eyes again, no matter how many times you read them. Do you know how easy it is to read your Bible and be like, I already know what that says. That's a bad place to be. And I, I've done that many times. And I remember the Lord saying to me one time, if you take that attitude right now, then what you're saying is my word has, never has anything new to say to you. 
And I was like, forgive me. And it was the prodigal son story. I remember, and, and I read it, and I saw something I never saw in there before. So don't have a haughty attitude that's like, well, I've already read that. I already know what it says. But I'm sitting here, I'm reading the story, the woman, the issue of blood, guys. Like, and here's, here's, here's the thing that rocks me about that story. Is you, you can be in the crowd with the Lord. You can be following him. It says he came to the shore, and it says a large crowd began to follow him. Why? This is only Mark chapter 5. He's got multitudes following him. Why? Because when this stuff is happening, it draws a buzz. Like, it draws attention. Like, people are hearing, hey, my mother-in-law, she was with a fever, and Jesus came and touched her and raised her up. Mark chapter 2. Hey, there was this guy in the synagogue and started manifesting, and Jesus said, come out, and this demon left this dude. Hey, there was this leper that came up to him, Mark chapter 2, and Jesus said, hey, I'm willing, and he touched him, and he got healed. That's going to create a stir. And it's because people heard and they responded. Do you see? So sometimes we lose the seed that causes us to believe because we don't act on it. So these people, they would respond and they would have these amazing encounters with God. So this woman with the issue of blood, she hears what Jesus is doing. And she says in her heart, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. You know the story. Listen to this faith. I will. Not I might. Well, we'll see. We'll hope for the best. Prepare for the worst. Do you know what else I'm seeing as I read this? There is never an instance where Jesus gives you the permission to stop believing. Not once. There are two times where Jesus marvels at great faith and the lack of it. He's wowed when people don't have it. He's stunned when he performs miracles and the disciples still don't get it. He's like, how are you guys still not believing? Don't you remember the miracle of the bread and fish? How are we still not there? How how is there still a disconnect? Because the miracle, there's a testimony in the miracle and it demands change. So here's this woman. She says, hey, if I touch his garment, I know I'll be healed. All these people are pressing in around him, the Bible says, Mark 5. They're pressing in on him. This woman makes her way up behind him, which, see, that tells me something. Guys, I'm telling you, there is a violence to faith. There is, there is a violence to, there's a violence outwardly, but it brings peace inwardly. Here's, here's what I mean by that. It's not about you striving. It's you just knowing he's faithful and he's going to do what he promised. That brings peace. But at some point in time, like with Noah, you read these stories in Hebrews 11, at some point in time, these guys acted on what they were told. The boards didn't magically get hammered together. At some point in time, like you've got to respond to what it is you've heard. That's what Fresh Encounter was. You heard, you responded, and you invited somebody to come down, believing in faith that if this person comes, God's going to crash in on us. And God honored your faith and God honored your hunger. So this woman makes her way through the crowd. She touches his garment. It says, immediately she was made well and she felt it on the inside. 12 years of bleeding, 12 years of hemorrhaging, instantly dried up like that. Jesus spins around and says, who touched me? The disciples, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. See, that's the thing. You can be in the crowd your whole life. 
your whole life bumping up against him, your whole life. You can be walking with him your whole life and never have a faith that touches him and causes him to look your way. And I believe, see, that's the thing. This, this is not what touched him. This, he probably didn't even feel this. Uh Uh-uh. He felt what was in her touch what was in him and it made a withdrawal. And there's something significant. And we don't preach it enough because I think we're afraid of hurting feelings and when it comes to all this different stuff. I'm telling you, your faith is in the equation. And it's important. And it's shapes. See, faith is relational. If faith comes by hearing, that means I was alone with him to hear. And when he says those who have faith or those who have ears to hear, everybody's got ears. He's not talking about these ears. He's talking about the desire. He's talking about the want to. He's talking about spiritual ears that are willing to, even when they don't understand, hey, Holy Spirit, what do you mean by that? Help me understand that more. And I'm waking up again, guys, to the reality. See, when I, when, even when I, when I went to Global Awakening, when I got baptized in the Spirit for the first time, you want to know why I went? I went because the word deliverance was in the title, and I was tired of dealing with pornography for 20 years. Now, it's weird if I'm like, you know what? That's awesome. That conference is coming. Jesus wants to heal me. He'll just heal me. And that's what we do. You know what? Faith pays for the ticket to go. Faith gets in the chair. Because I believed and I knew in my heart God wanted me to be free, but faith is not peripheral and faith is not sitting on the sideline. Faith is aggressive and it's in the game. And I believe God is looking for those who are wanting to be violent again. Because it does something. You have, how much faith did it take for a woman to push her way through a multitude of people to reach out and grab him? Do you know what that means to me? You know, what that, you know what's so fascinating about that? Jesus is walking with Jairus. A 12-year-old daughter on the verge of death. Hey, if you come, you lay your hand on her, she's going to get well. Let's go, Jesus. He's walking with her. Her faith completely interrupts his journey. That means in a moment, God could be doing one thing and your faith in his ability causes him to stop what he's doing in a moment. That that messes with me. Her faith interrupts the caravan and he's not like, get away from me. He turns and actually acknowledges, hey, by the way, just so you know, lady, your faith made you well. And we want to tell people in an effort to protect their feelings. No, well, hey, it's, it's, it's about this. No, it's about your faith too. And it's okay for us to be like, you know what? There's a place for me to lock myself away until he's the only thing that I see. And I don't know, guys, like maybe I'm the only one. I feel an urgency in my spirit to do that. Not because I'm scared of what's happening out there, but I'm telling you, when life happens, is not now a time to flex a muscle that may be atrophied. You don't want the floor to fall out from underneath you to finally find out what you actually believe. I don't want to be in a place where tragedy hits and now I'm scrambling. 
When tragedy hits and what comes out of you is what's been built inside of you. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired. Listen, guys, if you're constantly rebuilding your home after life hits, it's because we've built it on the wrong things. There's nobody in Matthew 7 that's exempt from the storm. Not the wise nor the foolish, it comes to both. But the one who heard and builds on what he heard and acts on what he heard will be like a wise man who built his house on the stone. See, if you're only doing as well as life is coming or going, you're on shaky ground and God wants to firm up your foundation. And I'm, I'm done playing up and down Christianity. I'm done, like, when I read that Bible and Christ is my standard, I said, Lord, please forgive me for backing off of what's actually really possible. And I'm reading this again, and I'm like, these, these things actually happened. Jesus actually walked the earth. And he did what he did written in this book. And I think he wants to see it, us to see it again with brand new eyes. Is that fair? Are you guys okay? I'm, I'm, I am so fired up. If you're not okay, I am. I promise you. I'm, I'm well enough for everybody in the room to be okay. Because I can't read this anymore and hide. It calls, calls me into account. Not because I feel like I have to do something. That's not it at all. Because I'm going to share with you on a personal level what I feel like God is doing here. And I already feel even what God is doing here is what God is wanting to do at large. You've already started it. It's just coming back to what matters. It's coming back to why you first believed in the first place. It's being reintroduced again to the love of Jesus, the kindness of God, all these different things that at first grabbed your heart and caused you to run like never before. You know, I, I, I said to somebody the other day, I said, I, 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 th I think we could preach the gospel every Sunday in church. I really do. Because even the Bible says in 2 Peter 1 that you and I should be increasing in certain things, certain attributes and certain virtues like diligence and excellence and all these different things. Second Peter 1. And it says if you're not, if you don't have these things and they're not increasing, it's because you became short-sighted. In other words, you started looking at you again and you took your eyes off of Jesus. To be short-sighted in the Bible is to be all about self. You lost perspective. And it says you've become short-sighted and forgot the purification of your former sins. And there's a place, guys, where Jesus wants to reintroduce you again to the forgiveness of your sin. That's where love came from in the first place. There's a place like where Paul says, I determined, 1 Corinthians 2, I started there, to know nothing among you but who? Christ and him crucified. So that your faith doesn't rest on men, but rests on him. See? When you preach Jesus and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, word of Christ meaning what the Bible reveals to us about the Lord, what the Holy Spirit reveals to us through his written word and the word of Christ through what Jesus has done in our individual lives. I think Paul, when he stood up there, those guys knew who he used to be. And he said, the testimony of Jesus. What was the testimony of Jesus? Hey, you guys knew at one time I was Saul and I'm not that guy anymore. That'll mess you up. Here's the guy that was killing the very people that he's wanting to witness to, these, these people he's wanting to evangelize. He's putting Christians away. He's there at Stephen Stoning in hearty approval watching the coats. And all of a sudden, 
the very zeal he was using to destroy the church, he's now planting the church and seeing it thrive. Only God can do that. And he's standing in front of these people declaring the testimony of the Lord, the testimony of what happened in his own life, and declaring who Jesus is to him. Do you know what it also says in, in Acts chapter 8? It says this about Philip, who goes down to Samaria. It says this really clear. I, I was like, oh my gosh, there it says, Philip went down to Samaria and he preached Jesus. And what started to happen? The whole region was in an uproar. And demons are coming out of people and people are getting healed. Why? Because our job is to preach him. He extends his hand to perform signs and wonders. That's what they say in Acts chapter 4. Hey, give us courage and strength to preach your word and extend your hand that you might do these signs and wonders, that you might perform the healing. Why? Because he will always testify to the word of his grace. What if we preach the very songs we were singing tonight? What if we got back to preaching the kindness of God? What if we got back? Well, you know, we can't always do that, brother. we got to bring correction. You will be corrected the more you just stare at him, look at him, and let him father you. We only need correction when he's not the center of everything. When he's not my first love, then I do need correcting because I'm loving something else and being pottered by something else. But if we return to him and he's at the center of it all, he'll, see, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Can I tell you something? It's impossible to be intimate with God and not be led by God. Impossible, according to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And if we're constantly zigging and zagging to where we're going, then maybe we're not bringing him into all that we do, all that we think, all that we say. We sang about it. Tim and I, I didn't say, hey, Tim, I'm preaching this. Pick these songs. But we were talking about praying to him in the first song. How much different life is if I just acknowledge him all the time? What do I mean by that? Like living in the constant awareness of his presence. The whole thing's about the presence of the Lord. Like when we're sitting here and we're talking about like, hey, well, we're presence driven, man. We just want the presence. The presence is a person. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's Christ in the center of us through the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus manifesting himself through his spirit on earth. And when we, he, guys, he, come on, you can't sing about him and sing to him without coming and being like, I like what I'm hearing. Yep, it is all about me. Yep, I love how they love me. And I'm telling you guys, like, it's easy, it is easy if we're not careful for him to be on your lips and your heart be a million miles away from him. And you can do all this religious stuff. And I heard a man say, and I took it as my own, so I just say it everywhere I go. He is not a lip reader, he's a heart reader. He knows at the end of the day, if he has what matters most to him. And he's made it so simple. He's made it about, just love me. Let me love you, and from that place, you'll love me back. And I think if we just come back to the place of making it about him, declaring him, preaching him, we'll find our faith resting in him, and miracle signs, wonders will be the norm, and people will be like, what's going on there? It is not difficult. We do not need church growth seminars. Jesus will grow your church. But if you're preaching something else other than Christ, then you have to keep preaching that because what you do in your strength, you have to maintain in your strength.